T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. After a more than 50-year career in public health, Dr. Anthony Fauci is stepping away at the end of this month. Dr. Fauci joins us on WCBS. Good to talk with you again, Dr. Fauci. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. It's good to be with you. You know, some people don't like that word, retire. What is it that you're doing? Are you retiring, stepping aside, switching gears? What do you call it? Well, it's more switching than it is retiring. It's not at all retiring in the classic sense of pulling back from working on the things that I've been working on for such a long period of time. It's stepping down from my 54 years of government service, 38 years of which I was director of the Institute, in order to pursue similar uh, directions, but only outside of the venue of the federal government, devoted mostly towards lecturing and writing, and hopefully trying to inspire some of the younger generation to get involved in science and medicine and public health, and even some people, if it's suited to them, to get involved in public service. So I'm going to relieve myself of the daily responsibilities of running a $6.4 billion institution that I've done for the last 38 years and focus more on the writing, lecturing, teaching component of it. You know, you turn 82 years old on Christmas Eve. I think you'd be forgiven if you just wanted to say, that's it. I'm going to go to movies. I'm going to go to a ball game. (laughs) Well, you know, everybody has their own personality profile. Mine just happens to be, and I don't make excuses for it. I'm, I'm sort of kind of a constitutional workaholic. And although I hope to enjoy a few more things than I was able to enjoy under the frenetic pace of my 16-hour days over the last many years, to cut down on that a little and do some of the things that I was unable to do, particularly with my family. But I'm not going to you know, be lying on a beach or playing golf, neither of which I do very well. Dr. Fauci, where are we now with COVID? Is it still a pandemic? Yeah, I mean, it is. But, you know, it means different things to different people. If you look at where we are now compared to where we were a year, a year and a half ago, where we were having 800,000 cases a day and 4,000, 3,000 deaths per day, We're not anywhere near that. We're much, much lower, but we are not at a level with 300 deaths per day, sometimes 400 deaths per day. We're not at a level 
uh, that I would consider comfortable with. We're still seeing an unacceptable number of people in this country dying who do not need to die uh, because we have vaccines now that have just been shown by the CDC in their recent report, the updated COVID vaccine with the BA45 bivalent clearly gives an advantage to prevent people from progressing to severe disease. We have good antivirals that people are not optimally utilizing. Many people who would benefit from these once they get infected are not utilizing them. So we're still in the middle of it. And as we get into the colder months of the late fall, and the early winter where people tend to congregate, particularly during the holiday season, we're already starting to see an uptick in cases throughout the country, including increase in hospitalization. And in some parts of the country, particularly on the West Coast, uh, they're very concerned about the increase in number of cases. We're having a particularly bad flu season that is now superimposed upon the COVID. And again, we want people to get their flu vaccine because the flu vaccine is well matched to the circulating strain of flu that we're experiencing. But we're having the sharpest and earliest and worst flu season than we've had in about 10 years. So there are a lot of things going on. Fortunately, the RSV, the respiratory syncytial virus, which is particularly a problem for children less than five years old and the elderly. We had a very bad uh, a, a period of time with RSV, which appears to be turning the corner now. It's not over completely, but it appears to be turning the corner. Bottom line is we have a situation with respiratory illnesses that we have to pay attention to because it's going to cause some difficulty. And as I mentioned, we're still having three to 400 people a day dying from COVID. Do you see a day, Dr. Fauci, when COVID will be eradicated, removed from our vocabulary, or will it always be around in some form? Well, I doubt very seriously whether we're going to eradicate it. Eradicated means there's no, no COVID anywhere in the world. We've only done that with one single virus in all the history of public health, and that was the eradication of smallpox, which occurred in 1980. Uh, that was because we had a virus that didn't change much and that the immunity associated with either vaccination or prior infection would last for decades, if not a lifetime. Uh, I don't even think we're going to eliminate it. And elimination means it's somewhere around the world, but it is not in our own country. We've done that successfully with measles and with polio. And again, that's because those viruses, they tend not to change or drift into different variants. And also the immunity associated with infection and or vaccination is a very long lasting, durable immunity. Uh, when you look at COVID, we don't have any of those features. A, it does change. We know we've already experienced multiple variants. And we know that although the vaccines work very well in protecting you against severe disease, the durability 
of the protection wanes over a period of time. So I do believe that we will bring the level down to such a low level that it would no longer be disruptive of society and it will take its place among the respiratory illnesses that we deal with in the winter months. We can be protected with updated vaccines for those people who decide, and I hope there's going to be a lot of people that do that, who decide they want to benefit themselves and their family by vaccinating, that we could get it at a low enough level that it is not dominating society the way it has over the last three years. But I doubt very seriously whether we'll eradicate or eliminate it. As you look back at the country's COVID response, what worked and on what might you like to have a do-over? Well, what worked was the scientific response, uh, the preparation over decades of our investment in basic and clinical biomedical research, which allowed us to, in a unprecedented short period of time, go from the realization of a brand new virus in January of 2020 to have a vaccine go through extensive testing and available to go into people's arms that's a highly effective and safe vaccine in 11 months. That was beyond unprecedented. That normally, if this were five or 10 years ago, that that process would have taken anywhere from seven to 10 years. And it was done in less than a year, 11 months. So that went well. What did not go so well was the general public health response at the local level, where we did not have the infrastructure, the information available in real time to respond from a public health standpoint as effectively as we would have liked. Also, we have a situation which is really paradoxical, where we have a highly effective life-saving vaccine, and we only have 68% of the population has received the initial vaccination regimen. Only half of those have received a single boost. And a very, very uh, disturbing, only 14% of the eligible population have received their updated booster shot that became available a few months ago. That is really almost inexplicable that you have a vaccine that you know is saving people's lives and we have such a very poor uptake of that vaccine. That's one of the things that falls under the category of the broad issues of public health responses that in fact has not gone very well and needs to do much better. You have done your best to avoid partisan politics throughout the pandemic. As we look back, though, was our country's response to COVID at all hamstrung by President Trump's initial response? I'm not going to get into pointing fingers at uh, a particular individual or a particular administration, but it's very clear if you look at the record that things could have been done much better. For example, I think there was a considerable amount of misinformation and disinformation, such as the claim that certain drugs like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin 
were miracle drugs that would be essentially preventing or curing uh, uh, COVID, and that is certainly not the case. And also the impression saying that the virus was going to disappear like magic was not true. And I think that really hampered an adequate response. So enough said about that. In a career that has spanned everything from AIDS to COVID, did you ever expect to see public health become so politicized? No, it's unfortunate because, um, you know, there's a profound degree of divisiveness in this country. Anybody who's even paying a little bit of attention knows that, the likes of which we haven't seen in my lifetime for sure, uh, that divisiveness has spilled over into the public health arena where decisions on the part of individuals seem to be influenced by their ideology, where a political party gets more people vaccinated than in another political party. That should never be. That is unacceptable because a distortion of public health principles can lead to a loss of lives. And people not getting vaccinated or not wearing a mask because of ideologic and political considerations can lead to a loss of life. And every life is precious, regardless of what your political ideology is. And it's really unfortunate that some people are unduly suffering and even dying because they're not letting themselves have the availability by choice of things like vaccines or masks. Dr. Fauci, there was a point at which you and your family received threats. You needed security around you just to go for a walk. I wonder, is that still happening or has that rhetoric cooled? No, it's still happening. It's as bad as it's ever been. Uh, again, I just think it reflects a lot of the misinformation and disinformation that has led to an anti-science uh, theme among some people in this country. And that has led to hostility against people like myself. And yes, you're right, there are still threats. And I still have to have federal agents that are surrounding me and protecting me, which is really quite unfortunate that a public health official has to have that kind of protection when all we're doing is trying to save people's lives. Dr. Fauci, our time together is limited, so I'll leave it with this. You're famously a Brooklyn guy. Did you ever get a chance to get back to Brooklyn during the pandemic, talk to first responders? Will we see you around Brooklyn uh, in the next chapter of your life? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been back to New York during the outbreak multiple times. I've actually spoken up in Harlem at the Abyssinian Church, and I I, I, I am not going to stop going to the place that I was born because uh, I love New York. Of course, I'll be back to New York. Can we expect a book? Can we expect to see you on the lecture circuit? Uh, possibly. Right now, I'm still focusing on winding down here and moving on to the next chapter, but I think it's entirely that I will let my experience be shared by others by writing about it, perhaps in a memoir. But for now, you have boxes to pack. Dr. Anthony Fauci, we thank you for taking a few minutes with us today. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Thank you for having me.
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.